everybody. Welcome back to week two of our Luke podcast. My name is Matthew Brown. I'm the lead pastor at Emmanuel. And I'm Ginny Seibel, the formation pastor here at Emmanuel. So our topic this week in the gospel is the Holy Spirit, specifically the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus. And it may sound obvious if you understand the Trinity, the three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, to say that Jesus was empowered by the Spirit. Uh, that he lived his life in step with the Spirit. But because Luke makes such a big deal out of it uh, in his book, uh, we think it's worth taking a whole week just to focus in on what it's telling us about Jesus and then about our own lives. Right. So we're not trying to argue for a tritheist perspective, basically that Father, Son, and Spirit are three different divine beings. I know it can sound that way when we talk about how Jesus was so ministered to by the Spirit and led by the Spirit that there's some like sort of separatist kind of thing going on. But what we do want to note in in Luke is that Jesus's incarnation in his life as a human being on earth, that whole experience did not halt the mutuality that is present in the life of the Trinity and has been and will be forever. The fact that Jesus was empowered by the Spirit doesn't mean that he could have had some sort of other ministry or life on earth that was just less Mm -hmm. empowered or less spiritual. Because he was God the Son, there was no life. There was no ministry without the Spirit. So when Luke shows us these moments of Jesus praying to the Spirit, talking about the Spirit, and when Luke narrates and tells us about the work of the Spirit, it's to let us get a glimpse of how the Spirit works in our own lives and in the church as Christ's body. Yes, because remember, the the gospel, specifically Luke's gospel, is so centered on what it means to be uh, a disciple of Jesus or an apprentice, to be learning to walk in the way of Jesus as our rabbi and teacher. And so Luke gives us um, a ton of moments when we get to see Jesus exemplifying the things that we also are called to do as disciples because he's our good teacher. He's showing us the way of discipleship. So Luke sees the Holy Spirit as the power of God, the initiator, the creative source of God's work in the world. And we see this creatively in his gospel as uh, the Holy Spirit kind of initiates each section. In the beginning, the Spirit comes upon all of these characters, these names, these people that we love and we talk about so much around Christmas, Zechariah, John, Mary, Elizabeth, and Simeon. And then at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, we see the Spirit descending upon him like a dove at his baptism. And then the Spirit leads him into and out of the wilderness. And thirdly, as we talked about a few Sundays ago, Jesus' public-facing ministry begins when he reads the Isaiah scroll in the synagogue in Nazareth where he declares... The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And then lastly, when Jesus begins his journey to Jerusalem in chapter 9, there's another cluster of mentions of the Spirit. So as the Spirit is present in the beginning of the world and in all new things that God wants to do in uh, in the world and through us and through his Son, the Spirit is there. So as we said earlier, this book is all about discipleship. It's basically a how-to for how to follow Jesus. It answers the questions of what does it look like to really follow Jesus, to walk like him, to talk like him, to live like him. Luke wants us to know that the Spirit is central to the life of the Christian. In Acts, also written by Luke, he mentions the Spirit a whopping 57 times, which he's 
says the Spirit a lot in Luke uh, compared to the other Gospels. And even there, it's only 18 times compared to this 57. So what he's attempting to do is to show us that the church is similarly empowered by the Spirit uh, in the same way that Jesus was. Yeah, one of my favorite details about Luke is actually the first verse of Luke, where he writes... Um, so Luke is, I mean, he's the evangelist who wrote a gospel to a guy named Theophilus, and then he writes the history on the birth of the church, which we now call the book of Acts, volume two, written to the same guy, also Theophilus. But he says at the beginning of Acts, in my first book, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do, and that word began is really important, began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. So essentially, Luke sets up the book of Acts by saying, my gospel is about the work that Jesus began to do through the Spirit before his death, resurrection, ascension. My second volume is about the work that Jesus continues to do, this time through the church, but also still empowered by the same Spirit. That's why the Spirit is all over Acts 57 times, as Jenny uh, just said. So there's not two different kinds of work. There's not like the work that Jesus did, which is like really important than the work of the church, but actually both kinds of work actually have the same source. And in that sense, they are the same. This is why Jesus can say in the gospel, something like, truly, I tell you, um, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do and even greater works than these because I'm going to the father, meaning because I go to the father, I will send the spirit that is empowering me to now empower you to do these same works. Mm -hmm. So the question for us then is, what does it look like to have a life that is empowered by the Spirit? How do we begin to step into a life of the Spirit? So I, I, we could talk for hours, lifetimes, on answers to that question. And so what I want to do today is just uh, submit to you three ways that I believe are really wonderful ways for shaping your life, shaping mm. your thinking, shaping your habits, to begin to sort of live a life that is in the spirit. And the first is to ask for the spirit. Um, another way of saying that is pray. Hmm. There is a sort of famous quote from Jesus in chapter 11 of Luke's gospel that you may have even heard, you know, if you didn't grow up in the church, of Jesus telling about how God will answer our prayers. He says, is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? In Matthew's Gospel, when he's quoting this uh, saying of Jesus, instead of saying uh, the Heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him, he says good gifts instead of spirit. Uh, so what I think Luke is doing here is that Luke is showing us that he believes that the Spirit is the very best gift mm. we can be given, and that no matter what our prayers are, um, the Holy Spirit is the gift that will be given and all other things will be added unto us. Mm. Um, God promises to give us the Spirit because he's a good Father. So prayer, at its essence, is asking for the Spirit, asking for the Spirit to speak, to move, to do the things we need God to do in our lives. Prayer is opening ourselves up to the Spirit of God, mm. to hear his voice, to follow his lead, to surrender our lives more and more to the Spirit. And as we do that, we sort of increase our capacity at the same time to sense the Spirit, to sense his presence, his voice, his leading, and his comfort. I think a lot of us wait for the sense of the Spirit before we begin to pray. Mm. Um, we want a, a sort of emotional movement towards prayer, and then then maybe we'll do it. Um, but the truth is that doesn't happen a lot of times 
until we have a life of prayer and can sense the spirit leading us to pray. It's so true. It feels the same as when you, you know, begin a workout routine and initially you're you're having to really self-motivate in order to get there and eventually your body learns a new rhythm of life. You can sense when it's time to go work out or to go run or whatever the thing may be. It's the same with prayer. Our, our soul begins to feel dry without it, and we can we can sense the Spirit leading us to pray more and more as we lean into the discipline in our lives to begin with. So the second thing that I think is really helpful in, in learning to live life in the Spirit is to narrate our lives with the Spirit. In the same way that Luke narrates the story of Jesus' life with the Spirit, I think it's deeply formational when we also narrate our lives with the Spirit. What I mean by this is that we acknowledge the Spirit when we can, uh, when it feels as authentic as possible. So for instance, to say, you know, I had a sense that the Spirit was leading me to seminary, mm. or uh, the Spirit made it clear that I needed to change jobs, or I felt a deep sense of peace from the Spirit in this really hard season of life. We can thank the Spirit for leading us uh, to the church, or to a person, or to an experience. And I know it sounds a little hokey, but if you're wanting to have a deeper life in the Spirit, acknowledging the Spirit and your storytelling can totally change the way that you see yourself and your life. You'll begin to see it as um, a, yourself as a participant in what the Spirit is already doing That's in the world. Good. And I think it's also helpful to say that if you're a parent, this is a, a really amazing way to teach your kid how mm. much they are also living in the hands of God yeah. and um, can live a life of the Spirit if they uh, acknowledge and see the Spirit and, and pray to the Spirit. So lastly, and I think this one's really important right now in this season, is that we need to be talking about the Spirit with others. Mm. We need to be sharing our God stories with one another. Right. Experiencing life in the Spirit while deeply personal is also deeply communal. We learn this from these two volumes that Luke wrote, the Gospel and then Acts, that Jesus prayed by himself, but he also prayed with others and taught others about the Spirit, talked about the Spirit in his own life. And then we have Acts, which is full of people sharing the Spirit. There is something powerful that happens when we share the Spirit with one another. A sort of spiritual multiplication happens and we end up being built up in our faith in a way we can't be otherwise especially in a season right now when so many of us feel really um, like we're in a dry season or like it's hard to see what God is doing, we need to be talking to each other about the Holy Spirit and how the Spirit is working in our lives. Yeah. When we experience these sort of fallow seasons of the faith, we need to let the Spirit's ministry to others minister to us. Some things have been in my prayers for a while now and have been unanswered and that can be incredibly frustrating for, yeah. for a Christian for, for a human <laughs> yeah. Discouraging, yeah. Um, and so what I started to do a couple weeks ago is starting to tell the people around me I need you to tell me text me call me whatever when God speaks to you when God says something to you or when God answers one of your prayers mm. so that I can then be encouraged myself by what the spirit is doing in someone else's life that's so good. Um, that's so good, Jenny. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the beauty of that is it reminds us that we are not individuals moving our like towards the kingdom, but we are a mm -hmm. family. We actually are a body. So when one part of the body is being blessed, mm -hmm. it actually can roll down to us uh, who feel like we might be in particularly dry or um, in desolate seasons. Yeah. 
you know, when we talk about the spirit, I think a lot of times we're tempted to sort of uh, flatten what the spirit is into it's actually some kind of imagined inspiration. We're just talking about like trying to sort of work ourselves up, gin ourselves up into feeling good about life or finding courage in a moment that's scary or finding a sort of stability in, in the midst of a moment that feels unstable. But what Jesus is telling us with his life, what Luke is insisting with his writing is that the spirit is not an abstraction or a metaphor for good vibes or positive thinking. The spirit's a real person, a real person with real power and presence that actually in a moment can make all the difference in the world about how you think or what you're able to do. Uh, In fact, the way that Paul talks about it, the same spirit that was at work in Jesus and in his resurrection is now at work in our mortal bodies, Mm -hmm. which is remarkable and something that I don't think most of us actually believe. Or if we believe, we believe it in that place of our brains that goes, this might be real, but I don't know how to activate it. Mm -hmm. Um, But the spirit, and this is good news, um, it's, it's hopeful news, the spirit is available always there. This is why we need to essentially learn to be keeping in step with the Spirit, as Paul would say, or walking by the Spirit. The Spirit is always present in my life. And in some ways, um, one way to think about my life is that the primary thing I'm really called to do every day, or the best version of myself, will happen as I just become more and more present and attentive to, uh, aware of, and guided by the spirit in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'll just close with this, which I think is a helpful reminder for for myself and for, for a lot of us. And I am laughing about this to myself because every time I think I open my mouth in front of our church, <laughs> um, I talk about cynicism. And that is because I believe it is the sin of our age. I think it is the enemy that we have to combat as our culture move, moves towards a sort of nihilism Mm. um and and it is something that i personally struggle with all the time it's first on my confession list on sundays and every day in my own prayer life Mm. and here's the important thing to remember about the spirit is that those who have the spirit have joy in luke's gospel one of the things that makes me love it Uh, a lot is what accompanies the work of the Spirit over and over is the word joy and the word rejoicing. Mm. The Spirit of God is a weapon against cynicism and hopelessness. One way of living into the Spirit is leaning into joy, sort of seizing these moments worth rejoicing over and over and really leaning into the things that bring us life. C.S. Lewis said, Joy is the serious business of heaven. Mm. And I just think that is such a prophetic word for myself and for the world that we live in. It is serious business. It takes a lot of practice and intention. It takes a lot of um, uh, purpose to move through the sort of like hopelessness and nothingness we often feel about ourselves or our situation or people that we know. Um, If you feel hopeless, If you feel like cynicism is the wise choice, Mm. my prayer for you this week is that you lean into the spirit and thus lean into joy, that you sense the spirit in that which brings you joy, and that you learn to participate in this way in the serious business of heaven. Mm. So thank you everyone for being with us again. 
walk in the spirit this week um, and we'll see you next time. friends, this is Matthew, the lead pastor at Emmanuel Anglican Church in East Atlanta. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We are disciples of Jesus who are seeking his kingdom and the flourishing of our neighbors. And if you want to find out more about Emmanuel and what's going on, just hop over to our website. The address is Emmanuel, that's with an I, EmmanuelATL.org. Thanks so much. God bless you. Grace and peace.